have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. I pulled up some carpet in my basement, and on the concrete floor there was linoleum put down. And the linoleum's coming up, but then the the part that's underneath the linoleum where it was glued, how can I get that up? Uh, there are <laughs> products that will re, will release the adhesive, if you will. It's a solvent. In some cases, though, you're probably going to have to take a floor scraper and it'll work a little quicker for you, but it's still going to take a lot of elbow grease. I wish I could tell you there was a real simple solution of just put something down and scrape it up with a shovel or something, but there's not that I know of. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? Call Ken the Contractor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. A house is what you build. A home is what you make it. And every weekend at this time, Ken is here to help you deal with the questions that are important to today's homeowner. Have a question about your home inside or out? Join us at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. I know this may be contrary to popular belief these days, but we may actually at some point in time see winter weather again. And Ken, a staple for many years for homeowners, has been storm windows. But on one of our local shows recently, we got talking about this and got some calls from some of our listeners asking what I thought was a pretty simple and basic question. Do you still need storm windows, particularly in light of the new window products that are now available? And that's the reason that question was raised, I believe, and others do as well. If you live in a newer home, chances are pretty good that you have at least double-pane insulated glass. Now, if you're in an older home and windows have not been replaced in it, then you're likely to still have the old single-pane glass and nothing to stop that cold air from transferring between that from that glass on the inside. You're dealing with condensation in the winter months, and you just have a lot of other issues. But for those of you, let me start with this first by saying, if you have a double-pane insulated window that is fairly new and it has decent qualities when it comes to air and water infiltration, then for the most part, you're probably in pretty good shape. Going out and buying expensive storm windows would not likely give you a decent rate of return on that. You may get some money back after 15 or 20 years, but it's not the kind of thing you're going to see pretty rapidly. So I'm not encouraging any of you to go out there immediately and start buying storm windows because you heard me talk about it on this show if you've got double or triple glazed glass. Now, most of our listeners are not going to see triple glazed glass. That is most common. I want to rule this out right now in uh, the extreme northeastern part of the country, Midwest, where winters can be just cold, long, and brutal. And triple glazed glass does have an effect, uh, a positive effect, when it comes to heating, especially in the winter months, and can help also some with the cooling, but mostly with heating. So for the majority of you, you don't want to be dealing, uh, going out saying, I need to invest extra money for triple glazed glass. You do need to be thinking about double glazed if you're going to be replacing your windows. But now, let's stay with those that have single pane glass and you're saying, what can I do to make my home a little warmer in the wintertime? How can I help improve my energy efficiency? There are multiple types of storm windows that are on the market. And Jim is, Jim brought up at the beginning, he and I and so many others out there grew up with storm windows, depending on where you live, knowing that that's what you applied. We did not have the technology with the double pane glass. So when it started getting cooler, you went outside, you put storm windows up, you sealed those areas up, and you pulled them off in the springtime. And frankly, they still function the same way. However, there are storm windows that can be applied to the inside of your house, which are easier to deal with, especially if you're in a multi-story home. You're not dealing with an extension ladder, a step ladder. It's just safe. It's easy, and you can go from there. 
Let's talk a moment about the types of windows that are available for those of you, some of the options that are out there. And they've come a long way. I must say that, too. In, uh, uh, storm windows are not the same that they were 30, 40 years ago. These windows are can, can be something for those of you that may have a temporary home in the winter. You're there periodically, a cabin, something like that. It can be as simple and inexpensive as basically plastic. There are plastic kits that are sold today that you apply to the inside. It mounts to the jam. And it helps reduce the amount of air that comes through that opening. Very inexpensive. Anybody in the household can do that. So not a big deal. Also, there are windows that are both are storm windows that mount on the inside that are both plastic panels, not plastic sheets, but plastic panels, as well as glass panels. Now, both of these start to offer a little more in terms of value than just creating an added barrier for air infiltration. Some will offer some degree of uh, insulating value, UV value, uh, will help with some of the solar, uh, the the, uh, the potential for the sun to be fading carpet and other products inside your home. You keep spending a little more money as you move from plastic and you go into glass. And again, typically, if you want to go into your, your store and you're asking for these, your window store, you're asking for just interior storm windows, they should know what you're talking about. They should be able to offer a whole group of these for you. And that's going to be Pretty decent value, easy to deal with. Again, think about the weight of them. Think about the benefits, plastic or glass. Which one do you want to deal with? Because you have to store these also. Now, the frames on these today are as common, I guess, as window types as well. You're dealing with wood, aluminum, and vinyl are the most common type of frames for any storm windows that are out there. But if you can think of it, fiberglass, and it goes on and on and on, they are manufactured. So as I encourage you with all products, think about what your needs are. Investigate what's available for you in your marketplace. Don't buy something that you can only get one of having to order from halfway around the world if something's broken or you need a part. Be sure you have a supplier that can provide you with the parts and pieces that you need as you move forward. And also, look at the product and see if it's a manufacturer that has been around for a while, that's producing this window, has been doing so for a few years, and are, is it anticipated that they will continue to produce something that will be in keeping with this style, especially if you're not in a position to do all the windows in your home at one time, but yet eventually you want them to fit the same and to look the same. Those are all important items that many times we don't think about, so pay attention to it. By all means, do your homework, get a number of prices out there, and be safe in installing these. Think about your own capabilities and where your limitations are. Do you need windows for the outside? Do you need them for the inside? But they can be a great bargain for those of you with single-pane glass. It'll eliminate condensation, make you warmer on the inside. Well, you know, and windows are one of those things that particularly with the Internet age, you can buy windows from all over the place. You can buy windows from all over the world. All over the world today. And I guess this is one of our cautionary notes and cautionary tales. It's not like returning a pair of shoes uh, when you're dealing with windows and, and also the proper installation. I know that's something you've talked about in the past. It can be very important to get the full benefit out of what you're spending your dollars on. Well, first, regardless of where you buy these from, dimensions are key. And there are many manufacturers that are much more precise than others. That's why I said see if you're dealing with a company that's been around for a while. Find out from the local vendor or even other sources, references, is it likely they're going to be here producing this or is this just a fad? They're producing windows for a couple of years. Now they're going to go back to making doors when the door market's a little better. But when you're ordering these windows, if you're doing this yourself, the burden is on you. If you order them and the dimensions are written down incorrectly, 
you're going to eat what you bought. It may not fit that window, but you're going to have an extra something with a hole that it doesn't fit. So be very, very careful when you're writing dimensions down. I always find it good to have another pair of eyes go back and check even what I have done because sometimes we can read the same mistake that we've written two or three times and it looks right. Have another pair of eyes go back and look at on like something that's custom ordered like this. You don't want to waste your money. I think that's the first eye-opener, particularly first-time homeowners get. They go to buy something like windows. What do you need? I need a window. Well, what kind of window? And they're not familiar with the different sizes, different types, and also different uh, different types of uses you're getting out of these windows. There are dozens, if not hundreds, of different styles and types and sizes of windows in the marketplace. And not every window is right for everybody's purpose. So there's so many things you have to go through. We've got information posted on my website, KenTheContractor.com. We're going to take a break, and we'll come right back. If you've got a question for Ken, Ken the Contractor, dial 800-614-2975. Welcome back to Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. If you'd like to join us, you can reach us at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. As we go to the phones right now and we say hi to Jan. Jan, hi. Thanks for waiting. You're on the air with Ken. Go right ahead. Yes. Um, we bought a house that was built in 1959, and this house has a cistern in it that presently does not hold water. My husband went down into the cistern this summer and tried two different hydraulic concretes. Okay. Um, Neither one seemed to hold or or cement it so that it wouldn't continue to leak. Um, The last one was a quick creek, which is supposed to be a water-stop cement, but we still lost water. And then... Um, there are other cracks above that water line that is right down at the very bottom. So we've got leakage from the very bottom. Then coming up the walls, there are cracks, and he uh, patched them. But we have no way of knowing if that's a you know a good cement or not because the water hasn't held. And also, then there's a very soft feel to the uh, concrete blocks, it feels like they must have put a some kind of finish on it, and that has turned powdery. So if he touches that, it just kind of crumbles under his fingers. So the block is... Or he could make a hole even in that, whatever that finish was that was put on top of the concrete blocks. And so we don't know what the next step should be. Is this your primary source of water? No, we're using it for our garden. Okay. Then, first, is it structurally sound? You're describing a large number of cracks to me. When I say that, are there any bulges within these walls? If he's been down inside it, uh, does it appear that roots or earth shifting from the outside is compressing no, this? No, none of that. It's still smooth, and and um, we haven't seen any of that at all. Okay. If you've had no success with any of the waterproofing products, and it, again, it sounds like there are numerous cracks, and 
block over time, certainly it, uh, this is totally block, I'm assuming, from your comment, correct? We think so, too. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. And certainly being underground like that, it's going to react negatively over 50 years to just the forces, to the water, the minerals in the ground, also to earth movement, everything that affects the structures, just like our home is affected by the elements over a period of time. If it appears to be structurally sound, and it's not your your source of water, but you are using it uh, to reclaim water from roof runoff, those type things for gardening and so forth, I, I commend you for doing that. But what I would be doing, rather than continue to drain this and trying to seal these cracks, I'd just look to put a liner in it, again, if it's structurally sound. And I would go down to one of my swimming pool suppliers and look for a vinyl liner, to go inside this and allow it to contain the water. Essentially, it's a big bladder, and uh-huh. uh, that can easily be installed it would be, to adhere to the sides of this and contain whatever roof runoff you need and keep pumping out of that for your gardening purposes. But you may find certainly it's going to solve your problem, your maintenance, of losing all the water you're trying to collect for gardening. And secondly, right. it cuts back on your maintenance time because that's just no fun. Right. But it sounds like you have too many cracks and too many issues for me to sit here and say with one company or another use uh, you know water plug or their this brand of hydraulic cement and there's so many on the market and they do a good job but the structure itself has to be sound and if you've got a soft film on that it may be that it just can't bond to anything like it's supposed to but again if it's structurally sound a vinyl liner inside that will retain the water and allow you to pump water out of it it just becomes a good reservoir for you. Okay. All right. And my other question was, who, who out there in the market um, might do guaranteed work on a cistern anymore? In terms of a cistern proper, you'll be hard-pressed to find someone that will come do it as a cistern uh-huh. and guarantee that, especially one that's 50 years old. That's the reason uh-huh. I'm encouraging you to look at a vinyl liner, because you can go to companies that handle outdoor fountains and ponds. You can also deal with swimming pool companies. There are a number of manufacturers in any marketplace that will provide these that vinyl liners. That, mm-hmm, that yeah. will do, do that. Do they make a custom-made liner then? They will, yes, Uh huh. absolutely. Yeah. They'll make it from, right. the, from the raw Thank sheet material, much. and it'll fit what you need. Good luck. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks, Thanks Jan. We appreciate it. Our number is 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. And it's Duke joining us right now. Hi, Duke. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Go right ahead. Well, I just had a question that uh, I heard your program uh, earlier or last week. talked about uh, tankless water heaters, and I thought I understood that you said that you could use those even uh, if, if uh, you're using it like electric with electric as opposed to the gas that most people use that is correct they are they've been on the market for a number of years now they are quite energy efficient they've really been refined for electrical purposes as well as for uh, gas users that are out there do you you're looking to replace an existing electric water heater well I'm not necessarily yes I am uh, okay. going to replace it and try to find one that's a little more efficient I've got an 80 gallon okay well, uh, and I'm also on a well. But uh, but uh, have the water going through purifiers and so forth. Well, you should be uh, fine with that. But let me go back to my the reason I asked the question is if you have an existing and I say this for other listeners as well. If you have an existing electric water heater, then it's going to be very easy and low impact for you to replace that with a tankless 
instant water heater unit because you you should already have, especially if you've got an 80-gallon, you should already have the service available in your panel. The wire feed to that water heater and the breaker size is likely to be large enough to handle this where you're simply getting rid of a big 80-gallon unit and installing a tankless water heater. Now, well, yes, that's, that, I do. I understand that. Yeah, the wiring is all there, and I realize that there won't be any problem where it's located. In fact, it's just just, just near the box, and it's got sufficient uh, okay uh, wattage and so and amps and so forth. All right. Well, that's for you. This would be a good alternative, at least to investigate. I'm going to encourage you to do that since you that's have some interest. That's what I would like to know how I would go about investigating. All right, well, first off, you. You need to be sure that the unit you purchased is sized for the number of plumbing fixtures in your house and the number of people that you have in your home. And well, and I understand that I have. Uh, well, I have. It's a pretty, it's a large, a fairly large house, depending on how you look at it. About thirty six hundred square feet. It's the three, it's the three full bathrooms. Okay. Now, of course, there's only two people in. <laughs> Well, but, you know, for for you, or you may sell the house at one day, you may decide you're going to have all kinds of neighbors and friends come live with you. You may need w- more hot water, but you don't want to... <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen. That's possible. <laughs> you don't want to undersize it, because the fact that you've got 80 gallons tells me that at least at some point there were a number of people there and you got a lot of plumbing fixture. Otherwise, you might have a 42-gallon or something along those lines. Well, we put that in there on purpose because uh, the house is about eight years old. We had built so we put that on, in, in per, on purpose to make sure we would have sufficient heat, heated water if we needed. But I guess I'm asking because this question, will one of these tankless provide the, enough of the hot water when you need it? For right. example, if two people might be taking a shower at the same right. time. I'll tell you what, Duke, we're coming up on a break, so we don't have to rush this. I'm going to ask you to hold, okay? We'll come right. back, and we'll give Ken more than enough time to answer that, because I think that's a real key question. Yeah, it's very valid. When it comes with these tankless water heaters, are you actually going to save money, but will it also provide me with what I need? So we'll come back. Ken will answer that question for Duke, and also he's here to take your calls at 800 614 2975. That's the contact number for Ken the Contractor. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. You can reach him at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. We're talking with Duke right now about a very timely issue, one that we're getting more and more questions about, Ken, tankless hot water heaters. And I think the question that Duke is asking, and Duke, I'm going to paraphrase uh, the question that, that you gave us right before the break, and that is you want to make sure that this tankless hot water system is going to provide you with the hot water that you need for just your daily routine, what I'm assuming, with you and your wife in the house, correct? Yes. Yes, that's true. All right, let me talk a little bit about sizing of these units. Not unlike the water heater, you said you put the 80-gallon in to be sure that you were not short of hot water heaters, uh, uh, hot water, uh, whether you had guests or just for your normal usage. And that's always wise to be prepared. But when it comes to the tankless units, and for those of you listening out there that are interested in the gas-fired tankless unit, the, the what I'm about to say applies just as well to the gas and the electric. These units are sized, they have a capacity rating, and they're sized based on the a volume of water flowing through them for a certain period of time. So if you happen to have three bathrooms, you've got a whirlpool tub that someone could be filling, and you've got two, somebody in two other bathrooms using two showers, and you're running, let's say, the washing machine. You want to know, will we have enough hot water supply? 
And this is why I encourage people, don't be moved by price point because you can buy instant water units that just mount under a lavatory that are $150, and you're saying, I'll put one of those in, it's instant water. That isn't going to cut it. To replace an 80-gallon unit, if you know that's satisfactory for your home, you're going to need to go to one of the wholesale houses, one of the, the local retailers, have a plumbing contractor or an engineer adequately size this unit for you. Now, when I say that, that means that all of these plumbing fixtures could be demanding hot water at one time, and if you're going to turn the water on and you're going to run it for an hour, which doesn't happen in our households, we have the intermittent use. But if you had all of these I just described on for an hour, it's going to continue to produce constant hot water for one hour until that last faucet is turned off. That's and, important. I think right. that's the key right there. I, that is, and but it's important that it be sized. That's the reason I wanted to take a few moments to talk about this in depth for you and for our other listeners is you might find instead of paying $150 that now this is a $1,500 unit. You know, it could be a little more, but the point is you're only paying for the energy needed to produce that hot water. If you leave the hot water faucet on all day long, it will produce hot water all day long. That will not happen with your hot water heater. No, it won't. So, it, and, and, that, and that's the point, and, and I think you've hit, you've hit the nail right on the head there. And I understand that you're probably going to have to pay a little more. Right. Because you're getting a larger system, just like you paid right. more to put that 80-gallon unit in versus putting a 42-gallon in. Yes, I did. And, and, and then, the other aspect of it is that when you have a big 80-gallon tank, you're heating an awful lot of water on standby. Right, you are. I mean, and you have probably between two, just you and your wife have very little demand, and you're paying for that all the time. That's, that's exactly right. Now, one other thing I'd, I'd mention to you that I do from time to time on the show, I've had listeners tell me they've been happy putting these in. If you don't have one, you may consider some means of controlling that so that you're not heating that water all day long. You may want to yes. think about putting a switch on the water heater so that as you leave home, you can turn it off. Turn it back on when you come in. You may put a time clock on it. If you have a routine like some folks do, they leave the house at 8 in the morning. They don't come back until 5 or 6. There's nobody home in the daytime. Because And I thought about that. Well, and, I th- and I had been thinking about that until I heard you speak about the tankless water heater the other week. Well, for And, and I, think that, I think that's something that might be very interesting to me. It also doesn't take up as much space. The tankless unit? Yes. You're right. It takes very little space, and it simply ties into the existing lines you have, including the existing electrical service. So you've raised a very valid and important question for not just you, but so many listeners today, because through my website, KenTheContractor.com, as well as our phone calls on the different shows that I do, we get a lot of questions regarding hot water heaters. So we appreciate you raising the question today. Duke, thank you very much. Sounds like he's got a little bit of homework. I think so. Duke, thanks. We appreciate it. We're going to try to sneak Ann in here. She listens to the program on our flagship station, WSVA. Ann, hi. You're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ann. I have... Um Windows that are, I don't know if they're vinyl or plastic, um, but the ones over the sink especially are hard for me to reach, and I'm old and feeble, and I can't move them up and down as well as I'd like. Um, WD-40, soap, I've had various and sundry things I've tried to make them move better, and none of it has been successful. Well, you've got, is this a single hung window? Yes. Obviously, it's not, it doesn't have a handle and you're not cranking this thing out like no. an awning window or it's something. It's a raise up and down. It's the kind that you can flip inside and wash inside and okay. out. So it tilts. How old is the window? Um, the windows, let's see, this house was built probably 14 years ago. 
Okay. Well, it's certainly not ancient by any standards. If you, if the window's raised and lowered frequently, you, you may want to check. There's In windows of that age, there typically is a felt weatherproofing strip on those that also acts as a guide. It, it helps to reduce the friction from vinyl to vinyl. Uh-huh. Uh, you may check that. The but the biggest thing that I would ask you to consider would be the. Does it? It's going to have a spring. It's going to have a coil. It's going to have something um, that helps put a little tension on that window, both to raise and lower that. Yes, I can see that underneath the little okay. vinyl thing. Thingy. All right. <laughs> Again, all manufacturers have different types that they use, but that is in old days we would call that a counterbalance. But it mm-hmm. functions the same way. Now, if those are either out of adjustment or one is broken. You're going to have just one tough time getting that window up and down. Do you know that those are functional? Can yes. You? Okay. So, and you know that they're attached to the sash as well as the frame uh, where they're secured. Yes. It just seems like okay. there's friction between, you know, the two pieces of vinyl that go on the side. And are, do these windows have the felt weather stripping on them? Are the guides between the vinyl? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, well, maybe a style that was made without those. The newer ones tend to, both uh, vinyl as well as felt on those. Mm-hmm. If, <laughs> if it was anything extra special, more expensive, it wasn't done on this home. Okay, all right. I'm right there with you. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> it's, it's sort of the bare bones. You've got the engine, yes. the steering wheel, and the seat, but there's no AC. Exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, the other issue that I see happen, even with, with minimal aging on homes, is uh, because of a little bit of movement in the wall or the, the, the stud adjacent to that. There's a little bit of warping or twisting, and it can put these windows in a bind. That is very difficult to deal with. When you moved into the house, assuming you were the uh, have been there for a number of years, was the window easier to operate? It seemed like it was, yes. Okay. And, of course, I've gotten older, so I'm not as strong. No, come on. Well, that doesn't happen to us. <laughs> Anyway, I, I will do this. In terms of products, first I'm going to send you back to a manufacturer's website to see what they recommend. I always suggest that on any product. But I'll also do a little more research of things that may work for you, and I'll post that to my website, kenthecontractor.com. I appreciate your call today. Okay, thank you. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Ann. And if you'd like to join us, you can. Don't forget, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. And you can go to his website. As Ken just mentioned, it's KenTheContractor.com. While you're there, you'll find a whole bunch of information available on roofs, basements, windows, plumbing, siding, accessible living, energy efficiency, drywall and plaster, heating, masonry, and much, much more. And while you're also there, you can listen to podcasts of recent programs, or if you'd like to leave Ken an email question, you can do that all at one place on the web, all at KenTheContractor.com. Don't forget, though, if you do have a question, you can reach Ken anytime at 800-614-2975. Again, that contact number is 800-614-2975. We'll take a break and come right back. You're listening to Ken the Contractor.